0: Today's global consumers clear in their demand for safe, affordable and sustainable protein to continue to meet these rising expectations requires both leadership and collaboration with food chain stakeholders, academia and the veterinary community. Animal health is pleased to amplify the voices of leaders throughout the protein supply chain here on this podcast, caring for animals and creating trust in
1: food. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Jane Dukes with the Value Chain and Consumer Affairs team, and I'll be hosting today's conversation on a topic that's very top of mind, and that's sustainability. In honor of Dairy Month, we'll look at sustainability from the farm to the table, what dairy farmers are doing to continuously improve, and what consumers expect. I always like to start the podcast with some data to set the stage, so let's begin. In a 2021 survey by Kerry, a dairy cooperative out of Ireland, 75% of food consumers reported they consider sustainability an important factor in purchase decisions. In another 2021 survey by Nielsen, 64% of the population reported feeling more personally responsible for the environment than they have in the past, and that's up 31% from 10 years ago. And in a 2022 survey by the Food Marketing Institute, 69% of consumers want to know more about the products they purchase to support a better planet, and 19% demonstrate more interest in environmental sustainability. I'm really pleased to welcome my guest today, Tara VanderDusen, an environmental scientist, dairy farmer, and online influencer, Dr. Jamie Jonker, Chief Science Officer and Vice President of Sustainability and Scientific Affairs for the National Milk Producers Federation, and Andrew Herrig, Vice President at the Food Marketing Institute, the Food Industry Association. I'm looking forward to what I know is going to be a really insightful conversation. So Tara, Jamie, and Andy, welcome.
2: Well, thank
3: you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Jane. I look forward to a wonderful dialogue on uh, sustainability during June Dairy Month.
2: Thank you for having us. I'm excited to talk with you all today. Yeah,
1: so let's begin by going around the
2: virtual room to
1: introduce ourselves. And Tara, you know, why don't you go ahead and start? You're an environmental scientist, a dairy farmer, a social media influencer, a wife, a mom. And someone who is very passionate about our topic today, why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and why you think it's so important to advocate for agriculture and tell the dairy sustainability story.
2: Yeah, so as you said, my name is Tara VanderDusen. I do share online. Um, I used to be known as the New Mexico milkmaid, and I recently pivoted to using my real name. But I actually started sharing online because I grew up on a dairy farm my entire life. I married a dairy farmer. My husband does day-to-day operations at the dairy, whereas I actually work exclusively on the environmental side of things. Um, I have spent the last 10 years working as an environmental consultant for dairy and farming operations throughout the Southwest. And as you mentioned, I'm a mom. And when I had my oldest daughter, one of the things I noticed was just a lot of conversation in mom groups on Facebook around milk. And what surprised me even more was that it wasn't just nutrition conversations. It was questions about sustainability. I decided it was not a great place to just be fighting small battles on the Facebook comment section. So I decided to launch my own blog where I could share my perspective, not only as a dairy farmer, but really focusing in on that sustainability piece that I worked in every single day. From there, you know, my platform has grown and I've just found such a need for farmers to share their story. That is actually my newest business venture is helping other farmers, ranchers, producers be able to share their ag story and really advocate for agriculture, especially around sustainability.
1: That's great. And, you know, that's something that we work on a lot um, in my group is helping to bridge that gap between the farm and the table to help consumers understand more about how their food is grown and raised. You know, they're generations removed from the farm. And so that information, like the information you share, is more important than ever. So thank you. I, I hope we can dig into this a little further. Jamie, you're Vice President of Sustainability and Scientific Affairs for the National Milk Producers Federation. NMPF has responded to consumers' desire for more information as well about the food they put on their tables and how it's grown and raised along with its nutritional value. And the farm program delivers assurance that the process starts with the highest quality animal care and welfare and also sustainability. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how NMPF approaches sustainability with its farmer members, you know, knowing that you represent most of the milk in this country?
0: Great question, Jane, and glad to be here today. You know, the National Dairy Farm Program started as an idea at the National Milk and DMI annual meeting way back in 2008 there was a recognition that uh, we needed to do a better job telling our story in the U.S. dairy industry and part of telling that story is gathering metrics about what's actually happening on farm and so we launched the national dairy farm program in 2009 as a a joint effort between the national Milk producers federation and our checkoff program we started in animal care uh, because that was the most pressing issue at the time And what we did is we set scientific uh, standards that allow us to do educational outreach and assessment on the dairy farms and work in a process of continuous improvement. It provides us those metrics that can be shared with our dairy customers, our dairy consumers, and our dairy value chain about what actual on farm dairy production looks like. Over the years, we've extended the dairy farm program into a number of other areas environmental sustainability, workforce development, antibiotic stewardship, biosecurity. We're not looking for perfection at day one. We're looking for how the industry transforms over time. And it's important, I think, for our customers and consumers to understand that dairy farmers like Tierra day in and day out do their very best on their individual farms. There's about 30,000 licensed dairy farms in all 50 states in Puerto Rico. They're each individual businesses. um, More than 97% are family owned. And what they do is they work with their animals, their land, their family, and their employees on the sustainability trajectory that is best for their individual business. Each dairy farm looks a little different, and so their sustainability journey is going to be a little bit different. But every dairy farm has that sustainability journey, and the National Dairy Farm Program provides a way to capture metrics that can be added to the important stories that farmers like Tara talk about their own sustainability journey.
1: You're exactly right. And I'm sure we'll talk about continuous improvement more today as, as we go on. And as they say, you can't manage what you don't measure. So um, I can't wait to learn more. So thank you, Jamie. Andy, we love having you on the podcast as you're a fountain of knowledge about retailers and consumers, what they want and how we can meet their needs. What is FMI discovering through research about consumer expectations around sustainability and and the products they buy? Are you finding some of the same information that I elaborated on at the beginning of the podcast?
3: Absolutely. It is a really interesting time because we're seeing these sustainability concerns, not just coming into play as a desire for more information, but actually as a driver of decision-making. So that same report you mentioned where it included the fact that 69% of consumers would like more information on sustainability on their products, that same report also found that 40% of consumers responded that... um, Shopping at a store that shares my values for social responsibility is either an important or a very important influencer on their decision-making. So you see that it's not just this kind of abstract concept anymore. It is actually now driving purchasing decisions. And that's something that the entire supply chain is going to have to wrestle with going forward, particularly as we see these younger consumers, millennials, Gen Zs, become a bigger part of the shopping public or community, we are going to see that those people, those young men and women, are coming into the marketplace with basically the sustainability imperative built into their decision making. Um, they have grown up in a world where this is an issue they've discussed. So it is going to be a challenging issue because it's going to create really a rapid evolution, not just in retail, not just in food manufacturing, but up the entire supply chain. So it's exciting time, but it's also a really challenging one.
1: It It is, and, and it's rapidly evolving, as you mentioned, and consumers are bombarded with information from a variety of different places. So I'm sure later on, as we dive into our conversation, we'll talk about how we can all kind of stand together and deliver the same messages to help consumers understand what we're doing to improve sustainability on the farm. So thank you, Andy. Now let's let's dive into our conversation. I mentioned some interesting statistics at the top of the podcast that indicate that consumers are increasingly interested in purchasing sustainable products and and Andy you mentioned sustainability is a factor in their purchase decisions. So Andy, FMI released that report earlier this year, Transparency in the Omni Channel that reported sustainability is growing in six categories including meat and dairy and that 30% of consumers are more likely to buy products with sustainability credentials. Can you elaborate on what your research is finding a little more and and what consumers' expectations are? And we know millennials are grown up and Gen Z is entering the picture, so Tell us what you're, what you're finding.
3: Yeah, I think one of the most pressing issues is that the definition of sustainability is expanding incredibly quickly. We often think about it in terms of environmental factors, you know, carbon footprint, water use. But actually, a 2019 study by the Hartman Group, which is a, a research partner of FMI, found that consumers are more and more identifying sustainability as a broader set of terms, including responsible farming. Land management, water use, animal welfare, and even areas like antibiotic use and labor relations. So it is, uh, I think, a category that's going to become broader and broader and require the marketplace to be very nimble in addressing this as it evolves. I would also say, though, on the bright side, what we see is a high level of trust in farmers and ranchers in um, providing information and providing transparency to consumers. Um, more than 92% of consumers out there have faith. In the information they receive from farmers and ranchers. And retail is also very high. It's at 83%, those trust levels. So we are in a good place to tell this story, and consumers are demanding that we do so, that we get out there and are proactive. Again, this idea of sharing values with the places where they shop is a little bit new to the marketplace. I think you know, 20 years ago, people would have said, hey, I'm not really that concerned about it, what the guy who sells me Cheerios is doing, uh, I'm just gonna look for the lowest prices, I'm gonna look for the best quality, but that's not the case anymore. They really want the shared values and they really wanna see that what is important to them, in this case, sustainability, is also important to that retailer. So it is uh, a huge opportunity out there, I think, for people who can seize upon it. And it's gonna require the entire supply chain, from farm to fork, to be engaged and to collaborate, to make sure that we are addressing both um, this desire for information and making sure that it is good quality data that we're issuing as well.
1: Right. And and then we also might have to consider, you know, how do we meet consumers where they are to share the information? It's not always on a package label. You know, consumers often think with transparency that it they want something on the label, but it might be, you know, in the grocery store and, and certainly in the digital space. So thank you, Andy. Jamie, what do you think is driving consumers to seek out more sustainable proteins, including milk How is National Milk Producers Federation addressing this with farmers in the program?
0: You know, Jane, I think our consumers are becoming more sophisticated with the types of information that that they want to receive and the transparency in the production that goes into the food systems that they are purchasing from. I think June is a great time to talk about dairy sustainability, milk being nature's most perfect food, and we can transform that liquid product into cheese, into ice cream, into ingredients that go into processed products that the average consumer may not know is actually in there, but it's making the product more nutritious. But because we have more information available today and flowing at consumers at a faster and faster pace. They want to know what information is real and what information is not real. And I'll go back to the idea of consumers not wanting perfection, but wanting improvement. And so they're not expecting perfection today, but what they do want to see is changes over time. And I look back at uh, when I was last involved on my family dairy farm nearly 30 years ago, that production system a Freestall Barn in the Northeast would not be what we would build today. The system would look a lot different. We change and evolve our farms over time due to uh, new scientific information, better technical resources. And so this evolution of continuing the sustainability journey doesn't have an endpoint, but what it needs is those verification points. What's happening today? How have we improved from the past? What are we looking at Uh, to make improvements in the future. And I think that's a point where the National Dairy Farm Program comes in and helps provide those positive proof points that can help dairy farmers like Tara personalize and talk about what she and her family are doing on her own farm, but also we can aggregate them and we can talk about big picture. This is what the U.S. dairy industry looks like across our 30,000 licensed dairy farms.
1: Right, right. And you know, I love that you said that consumers don't want perfection, they just want to see improvement and and I read something recently that consumers don't necessarily want to read a three-page audit report, but they do want to know the farmer and they want the information from the farmer and Tara, that's something a place where you come in, you're a tireless advocate for sustainability on the dairy farm. How do the latest trends and advancements on the farm address consumer expectations?
2: So going back to that statement that consumers, you know, don't want perfection, they want improvement. I think that sometimes we get caught up in the latest trends and advancements and we forget to share with consumers what we have been doing. I think we have to do a better job of taking consumers along on this journey. Like it, it's not that dairy farmers woke up one day and said, we're going to start being more sustainable. This has been an ongoing effort for the last, you know, 70 years and beyond, way beyond that. But we know we have data to prove that for the last 70 years, we've been reducing our carbon footprint. And I think sharing some of that research is really important for saying this is our track record we have a track record of improving we know we can do better we know that we have done better in the past so we've set big goals for the future and we know we can get there based on that track record you know for decades we didn't really take consumers along on that journey and so all of a sudden we've hit the fast forward button on them and expected them to just catch up to where we are now just as jamie mentioned like a farm being built today wouldn't look like what his family farm looked like 30 years ago and 60 years before that and And so we do have to remember that we have to storytell. We cannot just expect consumers to just get to where we're at when we we haven't done a great job, you know, in previous years of kind of explaining what's going on. And so being able to storytell through on-farm experiences and with farmers actually sharing their story goes a really long way. Jamie mentioned that you want to share about your farm. One thing that I have always focused on with my social platform is that it's not just about my farm. It's about the bigger picture, as it was mentioned, that you know, while my farm is recycling water, so are lots of other dairy farms. Most dairy farms are recycling water. At the same time, nothing is interesting if it's not personal. And so you have to go back to that fact that we already talked about with Andy, that uh, consumers put a lot of trust in their farmers. And so when you can relate it to, your dairy, but then also add in, you know, the statistics of the the bigger picture. I think that's really the powerful hitting message there is having people, consumers, know, like, and trust farmers, and then having farmers that have built that know, like, and trust sharing those facts. Uh, I think that is where we then are able to open up the conversations on new trends and new advancements and, and continuing with those consumer expectations into the future.
1: Right. I I believe you're right. You know, I was at a conference last week. One of the speakers said consumers have never cared more, but known less about their food and how it's produced. And so we've got a big job in front of us, not only on the sustainability front, but you know, just also on telling the story of, of food and farming. So the increased awareness from consumers and interest in sustainable products means that farmers, particularly those that produce animal protein, meat, milk, and eggs are receiving questions and input about how their farms impact the environment, not only from grocery shoppers, but business investors. I did see that the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, recently reported that global emissions of methane, the second largest contributor to human-caused climate change, surged by a record amount in 2021, the largest amount recorded since measurements began in 1983, You know, I hate to see that kind of news because when that type of news is released, the finger is often pointed at animal agriculture, and more often than not, it's pointed at cattle as the culprit. So Jamie and Tara, how do we change this narrative? Jamie, we'll start with you, and then Tara, you can jump in.
0: Yeah, methane has always been a difficult conversation for us, but part of it is setting the record straight. So Noah comes out with this information and you have fingers that are pointed, but when you look at what's the underlying cause for these increases, it's not livestock production. Livestock production numbers do not fluctuate that much from year to year. So it's helping to set the record straight. And that's where we first have to have that science. I know that I put that science hat on because I'm a little bit of a geek on that end. But if we don't have the real numbers, it's hard to refute when we have activists that are pointing and saying, it's all the livestock, it's all the cattle, it's the dairy cows. And you may remember, this is a long time ago now, but there was a, a FAO report that came out, Livestock's Long Shadow, uh, that had some inaccuracies in it about reporting about how much greenhouse gas emissions are coming from the livestock production sector around the world. That was a nice spur for the U.S. dairy industry to say, hey, what are we actually doing? So we did our groundbreaking uh, life cycle analysis uh, more than a decade ago that demonstrated that at the time, we were only 2% of greenhouse gas emissions in the US. And since then, we've reduced our emissions and are continuing to do so. And so you first have to provide the science behind it to set the record straight. Then you have to communicate it out, here's what's actually happening. And I'll go back to the idea of, uh, you know people don't want us to be perfect, but they do want to understand what our journey looks like. And so you put that journey together And you demonstrate how you're acting on that journey. And I think this is probably a great place for uh, Tara to jump back in and talk about then personalizing it. You know, not every dairy farmer has the opportunity to be that social media champion. uh, But even in conversations that they can just have locally with uh, friends, uh, with people that they meet through their church, through their social organizations can be helpful. And so, I think I've probably said enough about the need for science. And Tara really is the expert on communications.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure about all that, but i I agree with the science portion of that and feeling though that you need to be able you need to be able to communicate that in a way that that translates to consumers. One way I do think is very like you you said this, Jane, no one's going to read a three page audit Um, at the same time. It's also once information is out there, it's very hard for us to like retract it. So I think being on the offense is a big part, you know, that we've already started sharing things that we have that like no trust factor with our consumers. Because then when a report comes out, like the methane emissions one, consumers know where they can turn for information and accurate information and be able to ask questions. For something like the methane emissions, I think sometimes it's as simple as laying it out. It's not, I don't recommend pointing the finger at someone else, but I even was surprised to learn what are the top three producers of methane. And just simply like that is such a perfect soundbite or an Instagram reels of being able to say, this report came out here are actually the top three uh, methane producers. And, you know, people are often surprised to see that maybe agriculture is not at the top of the list, that there's other things that are contributing to methane. But then going into what we're doing to to fix our portion, or not fix, but maybe improve our portion of the methane emissions. So it's kind of that, like, that you've built, you know, the relationship with them, you are stating the facts and the science, as as Jamie said, and then going into what maybe you're doing on your farm or what the greater um dairy industry is doing as a whole to combat methane emissions, like acknowledging that we're a part of the problem, but we also want to be a part of the solution. And on Jamie's note that it's not everyone's forte to share on social media. But sometimes it is as simple as saying yes is what I like to say. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be sharing an Instagram post. It can be saying yes to being on your local radio show. It can be, you know, talking to the person buying milk at the grocery store when they open up that milk case. There is a million ways to advocate um, and get our message out there. And it can just be the smallest step and just the smallest yes that you're comfortable with to be able to really, you know, have an impact on getting our message out there. I also think that something that is hard with consumers is they want it to be simple. They want it to be as simple as if I stop eating meat or milk, I will save the planet. Like that is a very like easy thing in their mind for us to come in then and say, it's just not that simple and show them all the different information. It can be overwhelming. And so I think we have to just really like break it down into those bite-sized chunks that are again, like easy to remember, easy tidbits that they can like, you know, store in their brain and and bring up at the next, you know, party that they're at that, did you know that dairy actually, you know? Uh, And so I think that by breaking things down for them, it can be a lot easier to communicate those really complicated scientific information.
1: Right. And I think that part of the problem is that the activists are beating the drum every single day. And those folks that have an agenda to eliminate animal agriculture or, or only share the dark side, what they feel is the dark side of animal agriculture, they've got a little bit of a head start. But we are in a great position, as we've all said today, while this subject is so important and rapidly changing, it's a, we're in a great position to get out there and tell the great dairy sustainability story. And so we can't have a podcast about sustainability during Dairy Month without really talking about the great progress the dairy industry has made to that end. So Jamie, I'm going to give the floor to you first. Talk about some of the great statistics around sustainability that the dairy industry has to tell.
0: Thanks, Jane. And uh you know, the statistics come from those, uh, those reports that are difficult for the general public to read. And, and, and I had to laugh a little bit when you said three pages. And I was trying to remember the last time I read a three-page scientific report. I was just uh, looking at the technical summary for the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change on most recent report earlier this year. So the technical summary itself is 145 pages. The overall report is something like a thousand pages. And so taking that information and distilling it down into sound bites is difficult. But you know, let's talk a little bit about some sound bites. So what have we done in the US dairy sector? You know, we have this what I'll say is a very consistent march over the past probably eight or nine decades of increased productivity in our animals, around 215 pounds of milk per year, nearly a straight line over that time period. We have since 2007, we've reduced our greenhouse gas intensity by about 20%. We've reduced our water use per pound of milk produced by about 15%. So we've had this journey, this ongoing long-term journey. Tara talked about how Uh, Farmers have been sustainable since before sustainability became a topic. You know, really, it's always been about farmers being stewards of the land, stewards of their animal, doing the best things that are right for their farm at that point in time. And as we learn new and better ways to operate dairy farms, to care for our dairy animals, to care for our land, we're going to continue seeing this tremendous march and progress that our dairy farmers have been doing for decades. And to me, that's probably one of the most wonderful things about being in this industry uh, for myself for so long is that it's constantly changing, but it's constantly changing for the better. Not that we were necessarily a bad industry a decade ago or three decades ago or eight decades ago, but the industry continues to strive to make improvements. And they're not just resting on their laurels saying look at all that we've done over the past 10 years, 20 years, 100 years. It's looking at what can we do in the next 5, 10, 50 years. And to me that's a wonderful story for June's Dairy Month that is backed up by real data. And that I think is a wonderful way on a hot June day to have some ice cream as you're thinking about how that ice cream was produced in a sustainable and responsible manner by farmers like Tara and the other 30,000 dairy farmers around the U.S.
1: Right. And Andy, sustainability doesn't just happen on the farm. What's happening on the other end of the food chain with retailers and consumers for that matter? I was at a conference again a couple of weeks ago and they said, you know, we could solve our problem if we just stopped food waste. So what, what's happening on the other end of the food chain?
3: Yeah, uh, food waste is a priority for the industry. It continues to be and will be for the foreseeable future. You know, the estimates are we waste between 25 and 40% of the food we produce. And by waste, I mean it doesn't go to feed people. It ends up either in landfill or in some other use that it's not intended for. That does go a long way. If we solve that problem, that goes a long way towards not only feeding people, but towards our environmental challenges. So really making sure we're focusing where we need to focus and viewing a lot of these um, issues as sort of systems issues, where they're not out there on their own as silo, but part of a larger picture about creating a truly more sustainable food supply is a real challenge. Right now, we did some research that came out in the middle of last year that found that 65% of retailers see their social and environmental responsibility policies as a point of differentiation and competition with other retailers. So that's a, that's a huge number of retailers who view this as not just important uh, from sort of a corporate social responsibility standpoint, a kind of a public relations standpoint, but from a business standpoint. That 's a dollar and cents issue, and what you're seeing is that belief is driving more and more ambitious goals. Net zero goals you know Kroger has one of the most ambitious goals on eliminating food waste and eliminating the hunger from their um, operations and their operating areas. But even uh, you know from Fortune 50 companies all the way down to single store mom and pop retailers, we are seeing commitments that are more and more ambitious that are broader than they ever have been in terms of the scope of what they're covering. And that's really exciting. I think as we make those commitments, one of the things that it's incumbent upon us as the sort of consumer-facing part of the supply chain to do, and that honestly, FMI has not done a great job of until maybe the last four or five years, is to go out to our suppliers, to our partners in the supply chain, and help them understand not only why we're making those commitments, but what we're hearing from consumers that is driving those commitments. You know, I, I often go out and talk to farm groups, you know, specialty crop groups, ranchers, and sort of share a lot of our consumer research. And um, I often go in and, and, and kind of get the stink guy going in because, you know, a lot of these guys have been, um, you know, for the last four or five, maybe 10 years, getting, you know, different specs from retailers and changes to what they need and, you know, requests for certain kinds of certification. And it's been frustrating to them. And um, part of what we do is we explain, this is why you might be hearing this. This might be why they're asking this of you. And, you know, at the end of it, it always goes really well, you know, knock on wood on that because <laughs> I've got a couple of these presentations going forward. Uh, but what they also come up to, and they're very frustrated, and they say, well, why didn't you tell us this all along? You know, this would have been a lot easier if you just would have shared this. So I think that's going to be really important going forward. I, I kind of got to it a little bit uh, in the last segment awkwardly, but that idea of collaboration, of sharing... Of making sure that we're working and again everyone's going to have different goals they're going to have different responsibilities in the process but we need to understand what is driving each step of the supply chain and how we can help each other on that process because otherwise you end up just kind of working at cross purposes or creating a kind of tension that doesn't need to be
1: right and that's such a great point and it's a it's a great place to kind of bring this conversation around full circle you know when you said you know if you had just shared this information so how can each of us from our place in the, in the food value chain share information and, and what tips could we give to these farmers for how to share their story that would make it easy for them? So Tara, we'll, we'll finish up with you. You're out there every day talking about what's happening in, in the dairy industry and on the farm around sustainability. What tips would you have for other farmers?
2: Yeah, so I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but as I've continued to share my story, actually one recently in the last year or two, one of the most asked questions I actually get is from other farmers saying, how how do I share my story? How do I do this? How do I make it worth my time and energy to do this? And um, so I, I and a business partner created a program called Elevate Ag to really give farmers the tools they need to share their story, to understand their messaging and, and understand their branding. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I, we hear, tell your story so many times, but where does it go from there? I do think from allied industry, you know, we, we need to support our farmers that are out there sharing or the ones that want to. Sometimes though, there's things that just, you know, that allied industry can't always understand or fully help us with when you're an actual farmer sharing. Um, it's, so nice to be able to talk to another farmer and hear what they're experiencing, what they're what they're seeing out there. But I do think that making sure that our farmers have um, the resources, you know, we've talked a lot about the data and the science, making sure that we're getting that important information out to farmers. And one of the questions I hear the most also is, where do I find these kind of resources? Where do I find these facts about dairy farming and sustainability or beef and sustainability? And so making sure we're really pushing that messaging out there so that farmers who want to share their story, just it, it's just a fingertip, you know, at their fingertips of here is some great stats. Here's some great facts. Here's some peer reviewed data um, so that you can back up your messaging. And so I think that just offering that kind of support to farmers could go a really long way in them feeling more confident and comfortable sharing their story.
1: That's, that's awesome. And, and we'll make sure to put the information in the podcast notes about where farmers can find more information about Elevate Ag. Um, this has been such a fantastic conversation We've only, I know, just touched the surface of the topic of sustainability in the dairy industry. Tara, Jamie, Andy, thank you for joining me today on Caring for Animals and Creating Trust. As we explored sustainability and consumer expectations, continuous improvement on the farm and and food industry efforts, thank you also to our listeners. Let's continue to get out there and tell the great sustainability story um, for our dairy industry. Thanks for listening also to my listeners, and we'll see you all next month.